Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Tuesday, November the 9th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here for a nice, tidy little three-game Tuesday slate where we'll be breaking down some information here that will help you build those lineups or at least get them as close to built and then wait for some of the news to come through. As you all know, in the NBA, <clears throat> it's a, it's build it in stages. You know, I recommend strongly that you pick the contest you want, reserve them the night before or first thing in the morning. Build that initial lineup, uh, that those dummy lineups with guys that are people you're thinking about so that you don't have just a, a zero dummy list uh, in there. And then listen to uh, the podcast. Speaking of a dummy, I'm here. No, but uh, uh, listen to the podcast, check it out. Uh, build some stuff through that, adjust that initial lineup, and then join us in Discord throughout the day. Uh, we'll be discussing and following all the NBA news, and there's always a ton of news. Of, of all the sports during the day, the most news takes place in the NBA with injuries. I mean, they play so many games, you know, they don't know half the time who's going to be available until they go through walkthrough, uh, shoot around in the morning. And then with the COVID stuff popping up with like Embiid and such, it's just, uh, it's interesting times and you have to stay on your toes. And then also, you know, once we, you follow us uh, along with us in Discord throughout the day, by the way, you can become a member by going to dfscoachtalk.com and you can buy as little as a three-day pass for $10. But once uh, we get closer to lock, we will lock in that clipboard and we'll lock in uh, the full lineups for, for FanDuel and Yahoo. Um, on short slates like this, two, three gamers, uh, we go with a starting five on DK as opposed to a clipboard. But generally, there's enough games that we're able to put that clipboard together, which is a highlighted starting five and then a group of other players to choose from. But once that's in and we get lineups to lock, remember we're always building lineups uh, with the potential thought of late swap. Like last night, you know, things did work out well with having Anthony Davis in there, but we didn't know all of the scenarios going into it. Um, and you have to be prepared because you don't want to be caught in those late games trying to swap and not having an equal pairing. So you also have to follow us through the evening in Discord because any of those changes that pop up, anything that, you know, uh, Fantasy Labs posts that, that's going on in games, uh, coming up, you know, we're going to adjust to those and uh, and really uh, make the lineups work. So in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is if you really want to win long term in NBA DFS, you need a good provider. I feel like we're the best in the business in the NBA. And then you need to commit to following those alerts because, uh, you know, it's very hard unless you can work DFS 24 hours a day on your own, um, you know, we're going to do a lot of that legwork for you, but you're still going to need to check in because, again, you know, getting the, the right contest selected early on, making sure that um, you have uh, the correct lineups in there regarding injuries and everything that take place that we're posting in Discord, then taking into consideration our breakdown, statistical, analytical, and building by hand uh, that we do in the podcasts following that information through Discord throughout the afternoon, and then staying in tune through the evening as the games begin to make sure there's no late swap. So it's not easy. I mean, it, it really isn't. But NBA takes the most dedication 
And I think that's why we've had the most success because we're on it literally 24 seven. Uh, you'll see sometimes uh, after the late games, we're posting information and everything two, three in the morning. And then, you know, we're back to posting and getting stuff organized at, you know, about seven, eight in the morning the next day. So uh, it is a, a difficult uh, NBA can be difficult if you're not fully committed and fully in on it, because uh, you're going to get half baked lineups and you can't, uh, you know, skid by with them. Last night's a perfect example. I was so close to so many lineups. That's why I'm wearing my all black today because I'm mad because I was just one guy off here and there in a couple of those lineups. I, I nailed all the main guys, but just had some complete complete collapses from a few key guys like Kyle Lowry, who really let me down. Nerlens Noel, who got hurt twice. He was out of the game twice in the first half and never returned. So, you know, it, those things are going to happen. That's the variance. We still feel we can put together 70% of the time winning lineups in cash and close to 50% in those single entry GPP. So <clears throat> you're at the right place and want to get that information in there. And with the big slates lately, I haven't been able to do that. So thank you for listening to that first part. We are going to dive in. It's only three games, but we want to really get after it today and, uh, catch up with a few of those that did not come through last night. All right, first game, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It's the Milwaukee Bucks at the Philadelphia 76ers. Milwaukee's a six-point road favorite, and the over-under is 218.5. And then as far as the record coming in, Milwaukee's a disappointing four and six. However, they've had massive injuries to deal with. Philadelphia's eight and three, but now they have to have a stretch of probably almost a couple of weeks without Joel Embiid because of the positive COVID test. Uh, as far as injuries go, uh, it's the same three remain out for Milwaukee, and they're big. They're three starters from the beginning of last year. DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, all still down. As far as Philadelphia goes, the aforementioned Joel Embiid is out. Tobias Harris remains out. So talk about two big studs. We know the whole Joe uh, um, Simmons situation. So their three best players from last year, and Beat Harris and Simmons are out. Simmons have no idea what's going to happen with him. But on top of that, Thibel, Isaiah Joe, and Riller are all out. So Philly just hammered with injuries as well. And then Danny Green, who played last night, um, is questionable. So all interesting. As far as the back-to-back -back front, we have Milwaukee on the first night of a back-to-back, -back, so not uh, very comfortable there because they do have a tendency to not try to overplay uh, players. And then Philadelphia, <clears throat> obviously on the second night of a back-to-back -back, uh, after playing yesterday. So this game is uh, not an easy one. Let's just say that. A lot of moving parts, but let's try to take a good look at this. As far as pace goes, the Bucs are seventh, so very solid in pace. They were even faster last year, though. Philadelphia dead last, so they are the slowest team. The question is, do they play at that same slow speed with Embiid out? And I would say they do because Drummond is not a, a much of a faster player than Embiid. Uh, he will rim run at times, but I expect Philly to again be uh, on the slower pace side. As far as team defensive efficiency, and again, 
I think we have enough sample size with all the new shifting to take somewhat of a decent look at this. Uh, Milwaukee 16th, Philly 18th. So those are two teams that are now in the, the lower half defensively in the league. And they were two teams that were in that top five all of last year. Now, yes, all those injuries make all the difference in the world. And I'm sure once those guys get in, they'll firm up and they'll defend better. Let's look at this game. Who is playable? Who is not? You know, Drew Holiday at 6'4", I think you have to give a look at. You know, again, all that usage on a back-to-back. Where is he going to be? I think, you know, he's in the mix there. Giannis at 11-4, hard not to play Giannis on a three-game slate because you have to catch up to all those points. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a great play. I don't love the fact that he's going against the slowest pace team in the league. That doesn't help. The fact that it's a back-to-back and Coach Bud doesn't like to overplay minutes. But they want to get the win. I mean, they don't want to dig themselves such a hole that they can't get out of it. So, you know, Giannis certainly square in play here. I love Bobby Portis. I've always been a big Bobby Portis guy from day one. He's healthy now. He's playing well. He's only 5.4K. And he's one of my favorite plays uh, from a value standpoint uh, on the card. You can go into some of the bench here with Milwaukee. Uh, I don't feel I quite have to go that much deeper. Um, so it's going to more than likely be the consideration of Holiday, uh, Giannis and Portis being the two main guys I'm looking at. On the Philly side, quick reaction to the salary. I mentioned it on the podcast yesterday. Grab Drummond while you can at the 5'6". He's going to be in the sevens before you know it. How about 24 hours later, he's 7.7 on uh, DraftKings. And, yes, he grabbed 25 rebounds yesterday. He's a madman. We had him in all our lineups. But now at 7.7, you got to start thinking about it here. Um, Again, it's a back-to-back. At times, he gets in foul trouble. He's got to go against Giannis. So I'm not sold out on Drummond here. I'm really not. I think people are going to somewhat overreact to the phenomenal game yesterday. Now, he's an auto double-double, but, you know, how big of one at that 7-7 salary now makes it a question mark. Um, I do like the way Tyrese Maxey's playing lately. He's up to 6-2, and he grabs holiday defense, so probably not my, my favorite spot. The guy that I like, and he had a good game yesterday. I had him in some of my lineups, and I like him again because he's sub-5K. It's Furkan Korkmaz. He's the guy that's grabbing a bunch of that usage that's floating around from Embiid and Harris uh, being out. Uh, He's a confident shooter. He's adept at getting to the basket. And I think at sub 5K, I think he's a fine play here. Um, After that, probably not going to go deeper. You you do have some value guys spread around there. But, uh, you know, really Korkmaz is the guy that I'm looking at for Philly. So it's DFS is weird. You never think you're going to say those kinds of comments, but that's how it flies in DFS. All right, let's go to game two. Game two is the Atlanta Hawks at the Utah Jazz. Um, it is, oh, I didn't give the implied totals. I want to go back to Milwaukee, Philly. So that 218.5, for Milwaukee, 106.25 for Philly. In Atlanta, like I said here, it's Utah minus eight. It's 222 and a half. The implied total for Atlanta is 107.25. And for Utah, it's 115.25, a very healthy number. When you get 
above 110, you, you're in my radar. When you're above 115, uh, put a little circle around it because uh, that's that's the kind of number you want to see DFS possession-wise, uh, no question. Atlanta's four and seven. The Jazz are seven and three. From the injury standpoint, Collins again is questionable. Uh, we'll see if he plays. He played yesterday. It's the second night of a back-to-back for Atlanta. Uh, Kongu remains out as their backup center. Utah is on an island game. They did not play yesterday, did not play tomorrow. They are more health, healthy now that Mitchell's back. Questionable is Gay and uh, probable is Hughes. So interesting game here. Interesting game. The question is, can Atlanta on this road trip hang in there against a, a you know Utah team that has an advantage of being at home? and on an island game. So hopefully this game stays close enough. I think that, uh, you know, Conley uh, is a pretty decent defender, which, you know, I don't know if I want to go up to the 9-4 on Trey Young. He's tough and he can get it done, but uh, not positive I want to go there. I think Bogdanovich is starting to heat up a little bit. He's 5-2 and in play. DeAndre Hunter, if he gets the minutes and fires at 4-3, he's a super cheap buy, as well as uh, Bogdanovich on the other side. But I respect Hunter's defense. If he's going to get big run, that's probably going to have me fade Bogdanovich at 5-3, which isn't a bad price for a guy that can light it up. John Collins, you know, we just have to keep following the news. He's a guy that's in and out a lot. He, He really is. He gets dinged up a ton. But he did play last night. If he plays tonight, oh, the problem is he's probably going to face Royce O'Neal defense, uh, which is no picnic. Clint Capella is the guy I'm looking at a bit here. He's only 7-1. So he's, you know, 600 cheaper than even Drummond. And, you know, he's due for one of his big rebound games. Now, yes, he's got to go against Gobert and Whiteside. Those two dynamic duo, duo that you know, Whiteside getting all the minutes when Gobert's off the floor makes it a little bit tough. Uh, and Capella's not quite the size of those guys. But uh, sneaky guy at low ownership tonight, I think that you can at least take a look at. As far as the bench uh, for Atlanta, nobody's jumping out at me. A lot of guys trying to get minutes uh, on the cheap here. If you want to go uh, Reddish at 3.8 or Herter at 3.5, uh, Gallo at 3.4, just not feeling it on a three-game slate here where there are options of value really spread out everywhere. It's You would think on a three-game slate you can't find value. There's tons of it. Uh, on the Utah side, I do think Mike Connolly's a decent play at 6-6. Six, six. I like this total for Utah. He's got the ball in his hands more than anybody on that team. I also think you can consider uh, Donovan Mitchell at 9-1. Um, you know, I think that Hunter may split between Bogdanovich and Mitchell. He may get some time on Mitchell, which would slow that down a bit. Um, So I'm going to be following a lot of uh, coach speak matchup info on Twitter, et cetera. If I see Hunter on Mitchell, I may go Bogdanovich on the cheap. If it looks like, uh, you know, it's going to go the other way around, then I think Mitchell has to be considered. Nine one's not cheap, but he can uh, blow up the slate. not looking at Gobert for a couple of reasons. I do think Capella defense is good and he's active. And I do think Whiteside, even though Gobert's having arguably one of his best seasons, I do think Whiteside's, you know, grabs a few of those minutes enough to just knock Gobert down for me not wanting to play pay almost 9K. 
because he is 8.9. You can always look at uh, Clarkson off the bench at 5'2". Um, again, if he gets hot, he had a horrible streak there, but he's certainly coming out of it now uh, and is within consideration. Um, as far as the uh, pace in this game, just middle of the road, 14th for Atlanta, 13th for Utah. Defensive team uh, efficiency, Atlanta at 27. Uh, not good at all. That's what's really hurting them. That's why they're below 500. And that's why Utah has such a high uh, implied total. So I do think you need some exposure here on that Utah side, whether it's Conley, Mitchell, uh, if you want to go cheap, uh, Clarkson and possibly Bogdanovich. So uh, a couple of those guys certainly in play. And I think a couple of jazz really will help you take stuff down. All right, the third and final game, it's a 10 o'clock game. So the three games are spread out very nicely, 7.39 and 10. So we'll get to focus on each game as they're being played, which is fun because I'm on that, you know, mixed channel on, on DirecTV where you've got sometimes eight games up there at the same time and you it becomes mind-bending trying to <laughs> keep an eye on all those games at the same time. So this will be good to be able to watch a little bit closer with each team, see what's going on. All right, we've got the Clippers minus three in this game. It's a 220 and a half over under. 108.75 uh, implied for Portland, 111.75 uh, for the Clippers. Uh, this game also, it's a first night of a back-to-back -back for Portland, and we have the Clippers on an island game. Injuries, Portland none. Uh, for the Clippers, Kawhi, Morris, and Preston remain out. Um, the Trailblazers are 5-5 five and five and the Clippers 5-4. and four. So they're hanging in there. They're fighting and scratching, trying to be uh, competitive teams. Um, as far as pace goes, this, this is a big plus-plus game here. You've got Portland 9, Clippers 2. So two of the top 10 pace teams in the league. That helps. Portland's uh, 19th defensively, which isn't great, but it's better than where they've been in the past and last year. So they've improved a bit, but still in the lower half. Uh, the only negative in this game is the Clippers do have the second best defensive efficient team in the league which without Kawhi is quite an accomplishment. It says a lot for guys like George and Batum and even a little bit of Zubats, man off the bench. They do have some good defenders, and they've been playing that way. All right, so as far as a pay-up option here, uh, Dame's at 9-2 and McCollum's at 7-2. So we've got a bit of a separation there that we haven't had. It had tightened a little bit over the last week, but now you've got a $2,000 split. And that, when it starts getting that big, because on any given night, McCollum has the ability to outscore Lillard, I'd lean a little more towards McCollum here because I have him rated similar. Uh, yes, Lillard a little bit better, but not $2,000 better. So I think that's worth a look. I think Norman Powell is, is not a bad play uh, at 5'2". The only problem is he's going to get a lot of Paul George defense or even Nick Batum defense. So that bothers me. I don't know if I want to take that chance of a dud game from him. Covington's an awfully big risk. Uh, Nurkic can be played at 7-4. Again, he's cheaper than Drummond as well. He's played well of late. Um, certainly isn't going to get out quick by Zubats. Uh, we do have Serge Ibaka back coming off the bench. He's a really good defender, though. So... 
little bit more difficult of a decision uh, on NERC. I mean, there's no dive out. You got to have the center guys for me on this uh, three-game slate. So I probably have somebody different in uh, on the different sites because of price and then certainly different in GPPs. It's going to be a mix and match center night for me. Um, as far as the Clippers go, I think Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe are both in consideration. Uh, certainly one of the two. If you want to go a little more expensive with more upside, Reggie's at 6-3, which is fair. Eric Bledsoe's only 4-3. Again, you've got more of a, a, a floor and not quite as high of a ceiling, but he can and has been very consistent this season. He has definitely taken this uh, second chance at the Clippers uh, under his uh, vest because he's playing good ball. Uh, Paul George, is he a, a the buy-up for the day? He may be at 10-5. He's completely dominating usage on this team. It's not even close. I do respect Norman Powell defense and Robert Covington defense if he gets some of both of those guys. But, you know, PG-13 at home, the fact that it's an island game from them, I think he may be the, the double-digit guy that I'm looking at at 10-5. Uh, right now, he'd be the favorite to fill that spot for me just because of the fantastic usage he's getting and, you know, the fact that Portland is in the lower half defensively in team efficiency. So George is a big, big look for me. I do like Terrence Mann off the bench at 5-1. He really came through for me the last time. He's starting to become more and more uh, of a part of that offense. Uh, with Jackson and Bledsoe, a lot of rotation with those guys, but they're all getting solid minutes. Uh, also can mention Luke Kennard at 4-5 because off the bench in certain situations, you know, he can pay his number. We need to keep a close eye on Serge Ibaka because he's only 4-1, and we know that he's a points-per-minute stud for the last decade. He's been very solid, over a point uh, per minute in DFS, but he's just getting his legs under and getting the minutes. So it might be a, a starter too, too early for him, but he's not a bad uh, GPP uh, shot. If, if you believe in him, the only problem is Hartenstein's played so well off the bench. My concern is, you know, with Batum, Zubats, Abaka and Hartenstein, that's a lot of shared time on the court that, that doesn't excite me. So got to be a little bit cautious there. All right, my friends, we kept it short and sweet today. Um, we'd love to have you join us, dfscoachtalk.com. You can join for as little as three days for $10, five for 19. If you're watching this on YouTube, please give us the thumbs up, uh, quick comment, subscribe if you haven't already, and then hit that little bell in the upper corner. That will let you know, uh, give you a nice alert every time one of our podcast posts. We're seven days a week uh, in NBA in front of the paywall. We have the three uh, big podcasts for the NFL every week. And then Andrew and I are on every Wednesday for our PGA Weekly as we cover each PGA event throughout the season. All right. Uh, we really enjoyed spending this time with you today. It's odd only having a three-gamer. Um, but, you know, let's focus in on these three games, make the right calls, and get ourselves back onto the winning hot side. That's where we want to be here at Coach Talk. So thank you for listening in. Again, I hope this helps you take some stuff down tonight and uh, really do appreciate it. 
And we certainly will be back tomorrow as we look to crush it in NBA DFS.